Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is Hi, and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Friday. This has been a fast week. Friday, January the 22nd, 2016. And our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody, for another opportunity to enter this conversation of understanding the the first century Aramaic understanding of life and to recognize that we as human beings have a birthright And our birthright is to live as the active presence of love. You know, the first question that Jeannie asks, most of you have been in a Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop. If you haven't been, we invite you to go to our website, whyagain.org. And on the right-hand side, you'll see all the social media things. Go to the bottom one, and there's a little red square and uh, that's got an arrow in it, and that's a YouTube link. That'll take you to our YouTube channel. Go down the list until you hit, I think it's a 51 or 52-minute video, and it's the first hour of Why Is This Happening to Me Again, and you'll see Jeannie asking those questions. There are two questions that we always ask at the beginning of each workshop, and the first one is, how many have ever held a newborn child? And then we ask people to describe the essence of the newborn. And wherever we are in the globe, everybody's answer is some variation on the theme of love. And I'd offer that that state of being is something that belongs to each of us permanently. And we've been tricked into thinking that instead of that being of love, we are physical beings. And we are not physical beings. But there is a a level of the energy system that to the mind appears to be physical. And things that impinge on the physical somehow deform us, somehow create defects in us, and somehow are permanent. I love Einstein's quote where Einstein says, 
on such things as matter, we have been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy, energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. What you call matter is a picture in your mind, and the pictures in your mind, if you think they're real about what's going on inside of you or outside of you, then these conditions that impact our physiology, our minds, our emotions, they appear to be permanent and real. I love the, and, and you know, this, this knowledge has been around for so long. You can go back thousands of years ago to the ancient teachings, but you don't have to go back that far. Many people are very physics-oriented. And there's a fellow named Max Planck who, back around 1900, is receiving the Nobel Prize in physics. And here's what he says. This is part of his acceptance speech. As a man who spent his entire life studying matter, I can tell you this much. There is no matter as such. Our entire world, he says, is made of succeedingly smaller patterns of vibratory fields nested one within another within another. And when you recognize that's true, if you nest a frequency of hate, of fear, of rage, of guilt, of some sort of toxic substance, then that nested frequency, until it's removed, will seem to be there impacting the system forever. But there's this guy 2,000 years ago who had the technology and the understanding. He said, be careful. Don't judge by appearances. Don't judge by the pictures in your minds. And in essence, he was saying, you live in an energy system, and he gave people the tools with which to, to hammer out the thumbprints that have been put on us, to remove the nested frequencies of rage, of guilt, of grief, of fear, of sadness, and of any sort of physical, mental, or emotional trauma that's happened. So if one for instance, takes substances into the structure that damage the energy field, then it seems, oh, well, it's damaged. That's just the way it goes. But in fact, all that's happened is a frequency has been nested and changed the appearance of the field. And that appearance, because we've been taught to believe it's physical, that it's not energy, that appearance seems to be permanent. And then you add to it the fact that what happens on this level of so-called physiology, of so-called physical, is that expression of energy. And what happens on the level of being is a whole different thing. The state of being, you know, again, describe the newborn, hold the newborn. That awesome presence of love is who each of us is. We have a body or so-called body. We have an energy field. And understanding, you know, my background's in electronics with a side study in physics. And so understanding frequencies, let's say, for instance, I'm listening to 900 on my radio dial, on my AM radio. And, you know, AM tends to get a little statically. It's not that good a quality. And I say, well, I really like this program. It's some great music, and I want to hear it. But I want to hear it in high fidelity. So I'm going to go to my hi-fi FM system and listen to 900 on the AM dial. You're not going to find it there. I mean, it's the same radio, the same tuner, when you've got it switched to the AM dial, that plays that beautiful music, but not the highest quality. You go to the FM, 
the frequency is still there. It's still in the radio, but there's no tuning mechanism to receive it. Therefore, you can't listen to 900 AM on your FM radio. It's not possible. One frequency cannot be carried by the other. For me, the beauty of understanding this process of healing is that nothing that's ever happened to you, nothing you have ever done to yourself, nothing anyone has ever done to you, nothing you've ever done to anyone else can reach the place of being in you. The place of being in you is always fully 100% intact. And I could tell you story after story after story of people who've had the most degraded experiences you can imagine. And when they start removing, actually engaging in and understanding what forgiveness means, removing the nested frequencies, the system goes back to a place where this shiny, beautiful, sweet presence of love shows up. You know, if you want a, an example of that, uh, go to our website, whyagain.org, and if you click on the bullseye and you go down the list, Jeannie has put a couple of radio shows, and maybe you could, Jeannie, get it a little more clear as to where it is, but a radio show where Terry Bowling shared with us how, as a kid, the only time his father came home uh, from jail was to beat up on him, alcohol, drugs. Terry was involved in alcohol and drugs and lived a pretty rough life, ended up in prison himself. And then he talks about doing this work and, and coming to the point, you know, at one point he called into the show. He'd spent two years at Heartland on the support team. And as he left Heartland, he called into the show to share that he'd spent the night in a hotel on his way to Asheville, North Carolina. When he woke up in the morning for the first time, it's like, now here's somebody whose father has beaten him mercilessly for the first 15 years of his life and then gone on to beat himself for the next 15 years. And he does two years of very, he'd actually been doing the work for about probably six or seven years before he came to Heartland, and then two years of full-time work. And, and as he's leaving, he calls the show to say, Michael, I just want to share with you that I woke up this morning, and for the first time in my life, every cell in my body was totally filled with the presence of love touched by any of that stuff there's a second one that uh, you know tim edited both of these thank you dr tim and this michael coughlin who was a uh, a former vet and uh retired because of disability uh, and he shares on on the show where he used to troll crack neighborhoods hoping somebody come try to rob him so he could beat up on them alcohol uh, started to wake up when he found himself uh, soaked in urine at the end of a rope that fortunately broke when he tried to hang himself. No recall of the attempt to, to commit suicide, but woke up with a rope around his neck. And he shares what kinds of things that he went through. You know, here's a guy who at the age of five, you know, his father had left when he was born. His mother was totally stuck in PTSD. And at one point, tried to kill him. At another point, at five years of age, he beat himself so hard on his own face with his own fists that he ended up in the emergency room. And now Michael teaches the work. 
every Sunday morning. He has a support group working with the forgiveness tools. In fact, next Sunday, I, I made the mistake a couple of days ago, if you didn't hear the correction yesterday, uh, Michael Coughlin is going to be presenting the Sunday service at CSL in uh, Boca Raton on Sunday. So this Sunday, I think it's the 31st, isn't it, Jeannie? Not, not this coming Sunday, the next. The next. Right, a week from Sunday. Pardon me. Okay. Yes, so I believe it's the 31st. So if you're in the uh, Boca, uh, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, uh, Hollywood, West Palm Beach area, come and support Michael. Come and be part of it and uh, and shake his hand. I mean, this man has done some of the deepest work of anybody that I've ever seen. And he stands as a shining example. Now, is he still doing his work? Yes. Are there still layers of stuff? Hey, you don't go through 25 years of the whole military game and be one of the best special ops people going and your specialty is killing people and teaching others to kill you. You, you don't get through that in, he's been doing this work for about seven or eight years now. Not going to be done probably for the next, who knows. But there's a process that happens and what we're inviting everyone to do is to open their process, to open their own Pandora's box which is this body-mind system. This is the storage device for energy. And everything that's been nested there by all of the generations is stored there. And when we choose to acquire the tools and the skills, we get to remove those things. And when we remove those things upon which our reality construct is based, we construct a different reality. And, and my offering is that by the world that we have a set of windows through which we look out into the world and I'd offer that's an absolute fraud you do not look out into the world through your eyes your eyes are a one-way device frequencies of light come into your eye carry information and based on what that information resonates in you and I mean this literally you literally create pictures you know we'll say that they're painted on the inside of your eyeballs your eyeballs don't see out. You see those pictures as though you're looking out through your eyes, but in fact, you're constructing a reality based on the content in your mind, and you are limited to the realities based in your content until you wake up and bring being fully into expression in your physiology. Another good way of understanding that, an example that I use is, imagine that the universe as it exists, and I, I love how Einstein says this. Einstein says that at, in his day, being one of the top scientists in the world, he says, when compared to actuality, now, if you look up that quote, he actually says reality, but we're using the word actuality the way he's using the word reality. We use the word reality to describe the output of the mind, actuality to describe the actual world as it is. And Einstein, with his fourth-dimensional knowledge, says to us, when compared to actuality, all of our science is primitive and childlike. In other words, it's, it's as though all of humanity through all time has made up a story about this 500 billion piece jigsaw puzzle called actuality or life, and its story is made up of 5,000 disparate pieces of the puzzle, a piece from up here and a piece from over there and a piece from down there and a piece from over here, and we've assembled it into a story, 
And our minds generate these pictures on the inside of our eyes, and we think that what we're seeing is what's actually happening out there. When it is not, we're experiencing from the nested frequencies that are in us. You listen to, you go back to Paul, and, and forget about religion here. This is just the way the energy system works. You hear Paul saying, and, and they talked about these higher frequency states as heaven. We're not talking about a physical place. So listen to Paul as he says, whether in or out of the body, I knew not, for I saw things which I could not utter. What happened to Paul is he had a glimpse of the 500 billion piece jigsaw puzzle. And he went, holy miracle, I can't say a word about that with my 5,000 piece story. Like there's nowhere to fit it. When you've had that kind of an opening, you can stand in awareness of that bigger picture that we are designed to conceive of. And there's nowhere for it to go in your 5,000 piece story. It's like having an eight foot two by four and it won't fit in between your ears. And so all of humanity on the planet, I'm talking about all of humanity, except perhaps perhaps the few mystics who've gone through that state where they're able to at least begin to conceive of the 500 billion piece actuality that's happening. All of humanity stuck in 5,000 pieces of the, of the actuality and the story made up of that. And we have no idea that what we're looking at, when we look out and and think we're seeing something out there that we're really looking at a projection from the inside of us based on the content inside of us, and that content limits what we're capable of, and it creates the picture we call our physiology. And we've got all kinds of beliefs. We've got medical beliefs. We've got psychological beliefs that are based in absolute garbage about how real that is and how physical it all is when none of it's physical. Our brain makes up, our brain converts digital information into a world of pictures, into analog images. Remember a few years ago they had a, a, a conversion that happened, the FCC and its great wisdom. We want to make all broadcasting digital. Now, it used to be that broadcast signals and you know each station, let's say you've got channel two, channel two is assigned a certain frequency. It's called a carrier wave. So when you tune into channel two, if there's no picture, let's say back when television stations used to go off the air, you'll notice that what you had was either a blank screen when you tuned channel two, or you maybe had some sort of a a signature for the station, but there was no programming there. So the, the broadcast signals there is called a carrier wave, and then they would superimpose the programming on the carrier wave, and it was superimposed in an analog format, and analog means picture. So the difference between digital and analog, you've got a digital watch, you look at it, and if it's 1207, you see a 1, 2, colon, 07. You get information. That's all. No pictures. If you have an analog watch, you look at it, and you've got a face. You've got a picture. It's got hands. It's got numbers, and the hands turn. So that's the difference between digital and analog. We live in a digital world, and back when the FCC decided they were going to go analog, they took money out of your pocket to pay for digital converters for people who wouldn't buy new television sets, new digital television sets, and they paid for converter boxes 
so that people could still be brainwashed by television. The government didn't want people to stop being brainwashed, so they said, okay, we're going to take taxpayer money. You're not going to buy a new TV or a digital converter box. We'll buy one for you. We need to keep you on the, uh, the government tit here. We need to keep you in the brainwash and in the programming. And so what happened then was that they stopped all analog pictures, all analog programming, so no longer in that carrier wave did they inject an analog image that just came out in the television set through its analog uh, uh, reflector, but they put now digital information in, and on the receiving end, you had to have a digital converter to convert it back to analog so you could see the pictures. Your brain is a digital-to-analog converter. Nothing is the way you see it. And we've made up this story, and we've taught our children, and our parents taught us, and their parents taught them. And here's how the story works, and here's how the game goes. And out of 5,000 pieces, we're experiencing what we call life, and yet it is the smallest fragment. You go back again to the ancient scriptures where this isn't religion. They just understood how it worked. And they said, the mind of man has not yet conceived. If you're stuck and you're not able to move and break loose of and break free from your 5,000-piece story about the world, then you can't conceive of what a 500-piece story is about, a 500-billion-piece story is about. There is no way for you to even fathom. But here's what I'll tell you. If for a moment you'll let your guard down and collapse your 5,000-piece story, you will be filled on a cellular level, with the most ecstatic, sweetest, and I hesitate to use this word, but it's, it's a word that appropriately describes it, beatific, just the most awesome presence of love in your physiology that you can't fathom what that means until you collapse that picture world and let yourself go there. And then, once you've had that experience, you'll be so excited, you'll come back and try to talk about it to other people. And they'll go, are you crazy? What are you talking about? Paul, whether in or out of the body, I knew not. For I saw things which I could not utter. There are no words for the 500 billion piece jigsaw puzzle and what's actually going on in a story made up of 5,000 pieces of the puzzle. And so anybody who has that experience, I mean, they're often called mystics because they're a little weird, you know, they don't know what's really going on. And people come back and talk about the actuality of what happened are thought of as crazy. They actually institutionalize them often. To say that no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter what's been put in your body or your mind, none of it can touch the truth of who you are in the 500 billion piece jigsaw puzzle. You will always remain intact there. The work is to remove all the assaults and insults, be they chemical, be they physical, be they mental, be they emotional, to remove those frequencies and let yourself step into the 500 billion pieces actuality. And forgiveness is the key tool. And what forgiveness does is it takes every frequency 
that never belonged in your system. All the stuff that men have made up, warring with each other, slaughtering each other, drugging each other, killing each other, drinking each other to death. It takes all of those frequencies and removes them. And when those frequencies are removed, who's left? You are intact, the awesome presence of love. And then we get to start to develop a language of the 500 billion piece actuality. And believe me, it resembles nothing you've ever done, nothing you've ever seen, nothing you've ever played in. Unless you've been able to collapse fully the 5,000 piece story and experience it directly. That direct experience is ecstasy, it is sweetness, it is beyond comprehension to the normal mind. Now that can be scary to people because for a lot of people what then happens is like, oh my God, you mean my whole life has been wasted on this? Sad to say, but in a sense, yes. And then again, in a sense, no. Because you wouldn't be able to hear this conversation if you hadn't been there and developed the brain cells to get to where you are today. So if you if in your 5,000-piece story you have a habit and a power person dynamic of degrading yourself and degrading what's happened to you, then you'll take this awesome, wonderful information that you could be living in the 500-billion-piece actuality and you'll do deg- degradation to yourself. When you apply forgiveness to that and you collapse that, then you just get to step out of the 5,000-piece story that contains all the, yes, the beauty, but the drama, the trauma, the insanity of what humanity is doing and has done to each other. And you step into something that's not conceivable by the average mind. And the truth about you in the 500-billion-piece jigsaw puzzle is you are eternally present, eternally safe, and eternally a presence of love. All you have to do is peel off the garbage. It doesn't matter how deep the garbage has been from your generations. As I shared, you know, there are two radio shows you can listen to. Michael talk about his experience and Terry talk about his. Pretty heavy-duty stuff. And the turnarounds are beyond comprehension. So we're here to support you in making a turnaround that's beyond comprehension. And so we've got one more workshop tonight in Hollywood, Florida. If you're in the territory, we're going to do, I think, one of the hottest workshops we do is codependence to interdependence. I usually suggest that people for that workshop wear two pair of socks because it knocks their socks off. And it's it's just monumental in the way it starts to create an opening for collapsing what we've been doing to ourselves out of the 5,000-piece story and stepping into the 500-billion-piece story and and letting that 500-billion-piece jigsaw puzzle teach us. You know, the physicists say that every molecule in the universe is in continuous communication with every other molecule in the universe. When we can shut our, our minds up long enough, out of our minds long enough and often enough, then the 500-billion-piece jigsaw puzzle, the actuality is created by the creator, can start to teach us what it's really all about. And believe me, it's nothing about scrounging for pennies or dollars or millions. It's nothing about getting bigger cars and bigger houses. It's nothing about anything other than the awesome active presence of love. You know, if you if you listen to people who've had what they call a, a near-death experience, which in truth is really a near-life experience, you, you'll hear a, a very common thread is that 
when they went back, when they were in that state where their physiology experienced clinical death, they experienced the ecstasy of bliss. I'd offer that's when they connected to the 500 billion piece jigsaw puzzle. And they were asked questions. And, you know, I've never seen one of those reported near-life experiences. They're called near-death experiences by the world because the world's got everything backward. I've never heard one of those folks who've gone there who said, yeah, when I got there, they asked how my portfolio was doing. They asked how many thousand miles I had in my car and how much my car cost. I never heard anybody who said, you know, they asked me how many thousand square feet my house was or how much gold I had in the safe. They never asked me any of those questions. What they asked was, how well did you love? How did you stand as the experience of love in the presence of an insane world? And then if you read those folks who come back from contact with that story, with that higher truth, they don't function the way everybody else functions. You want to see a really powerful visual representation of this. It's a very true story. A fellow named Daniel Brinkley, struck by lightning. I admire Daniel for allowing the movie to be made about his life, where it showed what an SOB he was as a young man, how vicious he was, and he was a hired government killer. He was an assassin. That was his job. And then when he went into this near life experience. He was struck by lightning. He came back and he travels. We meet him every once in a while in circles we travel in and speak in. And he came back with a message as someone who was formerly a hired government killer and a vicious, vicious man all the way through his life. He now teaches the two messages that he got in his near life experience when his body was clinically dead. The two things he was told was one, you are a powerful spiritual being. And two, love makes the difference. His mo- the movie about his life, and it can be difficult to find. There are some sites that will tell you they don't have it on DVD. Keep looking. There is a uh, Canada that's making uh, uh, DVDs, but I think they're bootleg because I don't think it's actually out on DVD. But you can find it, and it's an awesome inspiration to see what Daniel went through, real-time stuff. And where he ended up. And basically now, as I say, we run into him on the circuit every once in a while. And the, the, one of the, the main things that he's known for now is that having been a former military man, is that he's gone into VA centers all over the country and opened hospice centers and sat holding the hands of the dying, assuring them that they were okay. That all that had happened to them, all the trauma, all the alcohol, all the drugs, all the injuries were nothing compared to the truth about them and supported them dying as human beings rather than traumatized bodies. Awesome gift. Absolutely. And, and the movie Saved by the Light is just so powerful. Do what you need to do to get it. Watch it. It's absolutely awesome. And Jeannie tells us that we've got a couple of callers. So Jeannie... I know if we ask for Dr. Tim, he'll say, oh, let's go to the callers. So we'll just go to the callers, and, and we'll catch Dr. Tim as we move along. Okay. Well, first of all, you had asked me to tell people where to find those MP3s of Terry and um, oh, thank you. and Michael. And so if you click on the bullseye, it will take you to worksheets to print, 
And the first one's chapter 24. The second one is the wake-up sheets. The third one says MP3 instructions and support on the wake-up sheets and testimonials. So if you click on that, they're one of the top three links. And so that's where you find those. Second thing is, is we talked to Dr. Androcki this morning, and we're going to start doing addiction support Wednesdays starting next Wednesday, correct? Yes. We'll have to check and see if that works all right for Gail. And uh, maybe she's on the show and she'll let us know whether it does. But finally, you know, we've been trying to get in touch with him. He's kind of hard. And uh, so Wednesdays we're going to be with uh, addiction healing, addiction support. I'm not sure what we're going to call it, but it's going to be the Wednesday focus because Dr. Andraki said that's the day in his practice that he's the uh, the most available to be able to share with us. Okay. And um, so we have two callers that have been on since the very beginning of the show. We have a total of four callers on. So let's start with 828. You're on the air. I think this might be Terry, who we were talking about. Hello. Hey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey there, young man. You've been on since the beginning. Great. So you heard the whole layout of things. Say that again. I say you've been on the show since the beginning? Yes, I have. Cool. Cool. So you got to hear the whole layup to this point. Actually, there was one story that I was going to tell about you, Terry, that I didn't when uh, when I shared that uh, you called into the show that day as you were leaving Heartland and, and spoke about how you were experiencing this just full-blown cellular presence of love. And then the other piece that always sticks in my mind is when you called back, and I'm not even sure how long it was. Maybe it was you'd been back in Asheville for two or three or four weeks and You'd been carrying on your commitment to five worksheets a day, and you called into the show and you you shared how you'd been seeing so many changes in your family system, which had been kind of estranged, that you were boosting your commitment from five sheets a day to ten. And you know, I just think that's so awesome and so powerful to uh, to just really see the impact of doing that, and so inspiring for others to uh, to see it too. Yes, and I'll tell you that every time that uh, I do a worksheet and uh, I read the little boxes on top and check each one of the boxes with uh, the deepening of uh, the definitions of my reality and forgiveness and uh, change your mind, change your life, the how-to, and then the premise and the premise ends of the direct experience of love 24-7-365 so I, that I always have a remembrance of that moment waking up in that hotel room and, and sharing with you about that <laughs> so that's a, that's a mind link that's permanently uh, <laughs> connected and uh, um, tied into my structure now yeah that, that I, first I had taste mm-hmm we got a bit of a time delay. I was going to say that first taste of such an awesome and powerful presence of love is it can be forgotten, but but always remembered when you turn your attention to it. And I say that from my personal experience and the, the opening of that the first time. I think I just lost you there. I just told him that I was hearing him talk from the other room, but he's not coming across the speaker. So, um, 
he just moves oh. himself. Well, actually, it looks like you dropped off this whole switchboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he'll have to dial back in. <clears throat> but so awesome. But So let's give him just a minute to get dialed back in so he can hear what you have to say, Terry. Sure. Does no one, how's it doing there in Asheville? Yes. And that's one of the benefits of the snow here is that uh, I, I, I'm uh, snowed in. So it's like, oh, good, I'll have uh, to co- complete, be able to completely focus on the radio show today. Awesome. <laughs> the, the, cool. the whole city's kind of almost shut down from the snow. Oh, so yeah. I, I'm free to, cool. a little bit freer with my time to connect in with the show. And I talked to Michael. Uh, uh, he's back on with us now. Yeah. Hey. Back hey. on, Michael? Yeah. Yes. I'm back on, and, and the yeah. thing I was sharing with my with myself because it was disconnected and I hadn't realized it was the when you have that first major opening like that and you connect with that bigger piece and it's just such a physiological presence of love well you know we in the moment of you know the heat of battle and such we can forget it all you have to do for a second is turn your attention toward it and it's right there and I I go back Oftentimes, and I, and I was saying that uh, my son was probably about two, so he's now 35. So it's about 33 years ago that I had that first opening at that level. Mm-hmm. And still today, I can go back and it won't fit in my brain, but I can go back and connect with it energetically. And it's just, uh, there's, there's nothing that even... Nothing, no reward we could find on the physical level, no, you know, thrill, no excitement, no lovemaking. Nothing can connect to that opening when it happens, and that's what we're here to support people in having is that opening and then working toward living there. So I'd spoken with you about a week or so ago about a little insight I was working on. Right. And this is the first opportunity because it's snow day. I've had to really get back get back on the show here and talk to you a little bit about it. Cool. And um, it, was, it was in a situation where uh, there was some upset. Some upset had been triggered. Okay. And then there was some dialogue with uh, myself and uh, my partner on um, – the issue, the the subject that came up and the trigger the the uh, uh, scenario. Let's put it that way. And what I noticed was that as I was questioned about what there was some back and forth. Well, you said this, or I heard this, so very briefly, and I I witnessed my mind energy recreating the experience and shifting the words. Around based on it was like I was like I was witnessing witnessing the process in my mind, my processor, and how it was selecting data and it was twisting the experience, and um, it was really quite instantaneous and it was done in such a way that I questioned what I'd actually said because different little scenarios were uh, recreated through the mind process modified by the data that was accessed. Uh, in my mind energy and then so that the right. whole really the conversation was no longer retrievable the data was corrupt and uh, so a true snapshot of the 
conversation was impossible for me to retrieve because I, da- I couldn't I couldn't get clear on what was true for me you know, as far as what right. did I, I hear you. So only one of my uh, mind's versions was became under constant modification. It was happening so quick that it was like I knew there was no <laughs> point in that was just like that was just a dog chasing his tail to even go there. Okay, <laughs> catching so, your and, mind and, at and, its and game. It, yeah, and in the spirit of the Aramaic, uh, it, it kind of it connects a little bit about how they talk about, uh, and, and you can correct me about the, the exactness of this, but. How the, the changing of a dot, jot, or a tittle, or a little speck, y speck, uh, or a little mark on the uh, word. Uh, I saw that as right. a small particle, which the action of the particle, which would be a particle in my mind, would change the whole meaning. So not only does it change yep. the meaning in the air, maybe, but it's, you know, that little particle action in my mind is changing the meaning or, or instantaneously. Absolutely. So, well, for, for me, for me to let me let me complete this little train of thought. Go for it. And and for yep. me to uh, me to attempt to come up with any kind of solution from that basis is, is, is insanity because now I'm trying to solve the problem at the level of the problem. So the solution right. was to move immediately beyond the whole mind energy game to a higher intelligence or a return to love or trans, let it transform into the love so that, um, uh, in theory, there's really no cleaning up of the mind energy because that mind energy is constantly updating itself to what's going on to the level of the mind, which is back to the same level of the problem. And the solution of learning to move into the process, which is what uh, has been developed through your work in the Aramaic and through the worksheets is that we practice, 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 practice that forgiveness so that I can accelerate into that forgiveness process. It's not that not that I'm going to eliminate the mind or, or, or quote-unquote clean up the mind energy because you know, that's just this vast, whole vast array of stuff that we're tapped into as long as we're functioning at this level of existence. So the, the solution is to move beyond that as quickly as possible into forgiveness. You got it. And and what happens, remembering that, and, and this is the part of the piece of the puzzle of forgiveness that took me so long to learn and that um, uh, Bill Costantino helped to put into that PowerPoint presentation, is that when I engage in the first century Aramaic forgiveness, that is the canceling of the goal that's driving the whole process, what happens is the surface mind with its changing, you know, uh, molting story collapses. And when it collapses, it collapses in on itself. And when I've done step four in the worksheet of bringing love present, and I drop into that place my mind is collapsed into with love, that does clean up the mind. That does clean up that multi-generational database and free us from its craziness. And and you reminded me as you started to talk about this of, you know, the Course in Miracles hits it right on the head. Is It says you must be aware of the distorting power of the way you want it to be. So if somebody's in a conflict, I want to be right. The mind's going to massage all of its data to make up whatever will make it seem to be what will make me right. 
or I want to win, or I want to escape, or I need to be safe, or I need to, you know, whatever, protect myself, or I need to, all the the generations of unconscious wants that drive the mind to change its story, just, you know, like you change socks. And each time you can catch the mind at that game, collapse it by canceling the goal, that's when you drop into healing that part of the mind and freeing yourself from that dynamic so that now the mind becomes a reliable servant that's there because your goal is singular, your commitment to the goal is singular, and the mind doesn't come up and, well, yeah, yesterday I wanted this goal, but today what I want is this, and tomorrow what I want is that. When I'm under threat, I want this, and when I'm under sadness, I want that. When I'm in fear, I want that, and all that stuff has to be cleaned up in order to really make, to restore the mind to being the proper servant it was designed to be rather than the master. And what you're describing is that statement that Yeshua made where he says, you know, the people, those, those masters who are bound by the servants in their, old, their own household, the mind is designed to be our servant. And if there are unconscious goals that run the system, then those realities morph because we are bound by the servants. <laughs> it's a crazy place to live. Breathing? Yes. Cool. So with the goals, the unconscious goals that we have, they that then there's a selector. So my the thought that came up was this the selector at the level of the mind, or is that the level of higher intelligence and spirit in, in our true nature? And so I don't know if there's an answer to that question, but just it's just thought that's coming up. Like for my selector. Actually, if you go to the Aramaic, yeah. the word nafsha that has been translated as soul can be mm-hmm. properly translated as a tuning mechanism, just like your radio tuner. The so soul, the, the being, the being that we are is designed, you know, hold the newborn and there's the being. That's designed to frame and set the goals that the mind is going to follow and produce instructions for how to achieve those goals. But what happens is, because there are so many goals from the generations that have never been achieved and never been canceled, that our minds are filled. You might remember the meditation in the um, Getting the Stress You Need video where we would go back and look at how many had a goal for dad when you were two, for three, for mom, and then when you grew, how many had goals for yourself, for your body, for your relationships, for finances, for church, for education? And all those goals that have never been achieved, still, when they kick in, when they start to resonate, organize perception. Uh, you know, one of the most powerful examples of that I can share is I remember back years ago, this woman in Atlanta, and this woman in her early 40s, uh, her whole life had been promiscuous. And did not like that about herself, in fact, hated that about herself, but just had no control. And when she finally was able to stop the promiscuity game that had run like her whole life, she'd meet a man, she'd be in bed with him, and she couldn't help herself. She said, well, boy, I'm never going to do that again, and bang, next time she meets a man, she's in bed with him. 
And what she went back to was being a very young girl, and she had an uncle. And she just, you know, like cherished her uncle. Her uncle was like fun and alive and just everything to her. And she loved to cuddle with him and loved to play with him and loved to be with him. And when she was about six or so years of age, he kind of strong-armed her and pushed her away. She doesn't know why. There was never, at least as far as she could recall, any sexual inappropriateness, but just pushed her away. And she just desperately wanted to be close to him. And so here, from the age of six to somewhere early 40s, she's in bed with man after man after man after man after man after man after man with not being able to help herself until she finds that goal that drives her surface mind. Remember, the mind is designed as a device to reduce stress. And it reduces stress by giving us instructions on how to alleviate the stress. When we set a goal, for instance, for her to be close to her, to be close to her uh, uh, uncle, that goal organizes her perception so that, oh, here's a man, here's, here's my uncle, got to be close, got to be close, got to be close. And when she was able to collapse that, then she could, the goal she sourced from being to be in integrity with herself and her sexuality was able to take over and override the unconscious dynamic. But until forgiveness occurs and we can drop into that part of the mind and find that goal, it's so deeply buried for most people it just runs the surface mind. And most people have no control over their lives when the stress is up and the chips are down. And that's why it's so important to be working with that Cancel the goal. Drop into that part of the mind. Clean it up. Cancel the goal. Drop into that mind. Clean it up. Cancel the goal. Drop. How many times do you do that? Sometimes ten times a minute in the middle of the muddle in arenas where there's been a lot of trauma, which for most people, of course, is the arena of relationship. Fit makes sense? Mm, well, some, somewhat. There's still, it brings up a few more questions. Great. Let's go with the question. <laughs> is now, now uh, um, the, the mind is, uh, uh, as I've understood it up until now, is an evidentiary device. And it, uh, Correct. The mind of the brings body. Up mind we, of could, the body. we could correctly identify that there are two minds. Remember that okay, Paul talks good. about the goal. The goal of the work is to be of like mind to, with Christ. That is to be in the mind of being, the mind of God, the mind of love. That's that's the goal of the work. And then there's a pretender, the great pretender, the the both the liar. Remember, Yeshua talks about the people around him, the Pharisees, and he says, "You and I have a different father. I go to my father, love. Mm-hmm. I, he called it the Father within." And that's where I source my life. You guys, you have a different father, and your father is the king of liars, and there's no truth in him. In other words, you're going to what what people have called the mind, the body's mind, and its database, and you're being run by the goals that are held there. And there's... Everything stored in the body's mind, what most people call the mind. You know, when, when I say, don't think about the color of your car, most people in the audience, and when I say, what are you thinking, what, what's happening now? They say, well, I'm thinking about the color of my car. It's not thinking, it's just resonance. So whatever's in the, the carbon-based memory system fires up with its data and creates those stories. But that's not really the mind. 
That's just a pure computer function. Stored information resonates. And because there are a million unresolved goals in carbon-based memory in what we might call that mind, those goals, bang, 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 want to run the system. Say again? You, you said that mind or mat, mat mind, that mind? The, the, the mind of that the body. mind, the mind of the body, what we call the mind of the body. Okay. That really isn't a mind. It's really just a straight computer function. All it is is data stored, <laughs> right. data resonates. Straight, straight memory, memory bank kind of thing. Exactly. It's all out of the past. Everything is past. Mm-hmm. By definition, if it's in the body's mind, if it's in carbon-based memory, it's in the past, there is no present moment experience in it, and there is no future in it because it's all from the past. That's what Yeshua was saying to the Pharisees is, you guys are, are your, your father, the source of your thinking, the source of your goals, and therefore your perception, and what appears to be a life is the past. And so you're dead. You're the dead buried by the dead, the blind led by the blind. There is no fresh, alive, present moment experience there. There's only the replication of what's gone on in the past. And when we wake up to that other mind, the mind of Christ, which which literally means a direct channel to love or to the Creator's mind, then we source and have actual, fresh, present moment experiences. I don't know if your microphone's okay, what, banging what around, about, but I'm getting a lot of now, noise in the background. The... I'm getting a lot of noise in the background if we can hold the microphone still. Okay. Or maybe there's somebody else who's on that's uh maybe you could mute them, Jeannie, if there's somebody with a microphone bearing. Go ahead. So with the mind of the body, then is it then I had the understanding and the idea that there was a collective mind, which was the minds of uh the, the collective minds of the bodies functioning on the planet here. Well, and again, we're talking they're, about, they're, now we're talking about the mind of Christ, which is a higher level or refinement of the mind of the body. No, no, distinctly different things. It's like here would be here would be the comparison. I'm sitting here with my AM radio, and it's eleven o'clock at night. And this station's banging in, and that station's banging in, and that station's banging in, and this one's coming in, and there's all this noise and interference, and and I'm listening to that, and that's the body's mind. It's a pretender. There's no. It pretends to be alive, but there is no life in it because it's all from the past. The dead buried by the dead, the blind led by the blind. It's just a replication of past drama and trauma and maybe some past good stuff as well. But, you know, if if I had this wonderful experience, let's say 25 years ago I had this wonderful experience and I spent my whole life trying to recreate that experience and finally I get all those brain cells to fire and I have that same wonderful sensation again, it's just a repeat of a sensation from the past. It's not alive today. It's just a replication of something from the past. What we're looking to do is to collapse all of that so there's no interference and no noise from the radio, from the the body's mind, and being comes in as life, frames and sets goals, and creates a live, fresh, present moment experience, which is always filled with this ecstatic presence of love. So what I heard Terry asking was, is there a third mind that is a collective mind of everybody? 
Or is that just a, a collection of people that are in the same mind, like the mind of love? Well, my my take when we talk, you know, people talk about the collective, you know, Carl Jung talks about the collective unconscious, and that would just be there is a, a mass of data on the planet of collective insanity. And that's just a resonating field, and if we've got resonance with it, we'll tend to be drawn into it and will tend to function out of it. It will tend to run the show, the collective unconscious. What what we want to do with this work is eradicate any unconsciousness. I take it that the unconscious is an artificial creation that comes from our denial and dissociation, and we were never designed to have an unconscious. We as human beings, as the original fresh experience of love, are designed to be in touch with every frequency within our lives, within our structure, Anytime we want to, there's nothing that's hidden from us. And if we try to hide it from ourselves, again, you go back to the scripture says, nothing will remain hidden. Everything will be made known in the light of day. So if there's something I'm trying to hide in my so-called body's mind, carbon-based memory, boy, I don't want to deal with that rage from my great-great-grandfather, then what's going to happen is it's going to set up a frequency. It's going to come pull somebody in and incline me to the rage of my great-great-grandfather. And if great-great-grandfather takes over, then I've lost charge of my life. I'm now just the dead buried by the dead, the blind led by the blind. I gave the example the other day of, uh, of a, a situation where uh, when driving, I've always had pretty good control of my temper except behind the wheel of a car. And it was an issue that I'd worked on for probably five years, consciously, purposely, working on forgiving the response of rage when somebody would do something stupid when I was behind the wheel of a car. And I can set the time frame of it because when this experience happened, I was actually walking with my son. I was carrying him on my hip. So he was, you know, maybe two, two and a half years of age. So that's 33 years ago. And what I got as I'm forgiving, as I'm trying to get free of this rage is I get this intuitive hit message that this was an inherited anger from my great-great-grandfather, who I knew nothing of. And I stopped at that moment, and, you know, again, I've got it locked in memory because I can I can even feel my son right now. He's in my right hand on my hip, and I'm holding him, my hand under his butt, and I'm I'm in the process, and, and I, I talk to my great-great-grandfather and say, Granddad, I got it that this is your energy, and if you want it, it's yours. Take it back, but I'm letting go of it. Or if you want, I'll let go of it for both of us. And went through the release of it. I have never had a fist-shaking event. And and this is something that was just there. Whether I liked it or not, bang, it would be there in an instant. Bang, it would be there, and I had no control until that day. And that's 33 years ago, and I haven't had a fist-shaking event behind the wheel of a car. You know, somebody does something stupid now, bless you, hope you get home safely, rather than, why are you stupid, sir? So that's carbon-based memory compared to the mind of Christ or the mind of being, which is in you and in me. That is the truth of our being. And I kind of hope that it's snowing tomorrow, again, so we can continue this conversation because we're down to nope, the last few Monday. seconds. So it would be I'm, Monday. Oh, oh, Monday. oh, yeah, Monday. Oh. Yeah, tomorrow's Saturday. Jeez, yes. We're doing mind shifters and still point breathing tomorrow. So I apologize if you know, we're, our time is short, but I'd love to continue the conversation if there's space for it, because I think we're hitting some really awesome stuff here. You got it. All right, sir, so we, we appreciate you. Blessings. All right. And Gail care. texted me that Wednesdays is fine. Awesome. So next Wednesday. 
uh, Addiction Healing Wednesday and have the best year yet of your eternal life. You want to breathe with us tomorrow? We're in Hollywood. Intensive, 1st of February in Orlando. Come play. Blessings. Bye-bye.